are joined by Alyssa Robinson, who is the deputy CISO at HubSpot, a company I'm a massive fan of. And she's also been a senior security leader at several other companies, including Cisco. What's interesting about Alyssa and the company she works for from a podcast perspective is actually our second guest on the show was Eric Richards, the uh, CISO at HubSpot. And uh, he's been uh, really helpful giving us most recently some product feedback. But uh, I'm really excited to get a different perspective from another member of the HubSpot team. So, Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Fantastic. So my my team uh, got to see Alyssa speak at a uh, Women in Tech conference, and uh, one of the members said we definitely have to have her as a guest. So uh, let's jump into it and let's talk a little bit about kind of your journey and how did you end up in cybersecurity? Sure. It was a little bit of a meandering journey, definitely. I, I started like many kids when I was 14 years old. I started working at our local Hallmark store. I worked there a couple of years and some of my friends worked at the local internet service provider. So we had a, a local dial-up ISP. I was in high school, you know, 16 <laughs> years old. And they said to me, look, I'm making like double, triple what you make per hour working at this ISP. You should come work with me. Yeah. And I was like, well, that sounds really good. But like, I don't even own a computer. Like, I don't, <laughs> we don't have dial-up at my house. I don't know what this is. They're like, that's okay. That's okay. We'll teach you everything you need to know. And I still have it. I have this like little notebook, like little lined uh, school notebook that I sat down with a couple of my friends that day. And they taught me like, VI commands, how to like a bunch of Unix commands on like how I monitor web services, check email queues and things like that. And so somehow that was enough to get me the job. I think it was probably just like the strength of the recommendation of these guys. And I went to work in the NOC at this local ISP. And I worked there for a couple of years, like through high school into college. And before that, I had been planning to go sort of biology, pre-med sort of direction. But uh, I, I really loved working on the, the in this area like I loved sort of like the the troubleshooting aspect of it like that's sort of what gets me going my flow state is like trying to figure out where the problem is and troubleshooting yeah. these different things whether that be like debugging code or looking for a problem in logs or whatever else and so I you know I started in that technical direction and I loved it I ended up majoring in computer science and electrical engineering from there and went on to have a bunch of different jobs you know working my way through school and then finally you know got out of school it was 2000. I started my job and then the, te- the, <laughs> the tech world bus, ended. Yes. The world ended. Uh, the company I worked for had like 13 rounds of layoffs. It was like one every quarter for three yeah. years. So it was it was a long journey of like essentially like accumulating other people's jobs as they yes. left and ended there. up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was rough. I definitely questioned whether tech was the right career yeah, at that exactly. point. Exactly. Where's all these millions everybody told me about? You know, right. <laughs> Instead, it's like, well, here I go. I was uh, going to say, I think maybe I'll cut you off for one second, just because I think you hit on a great point. Because we're talking about something that's uh, maybe dated for some of our new newer people joining the the world uh, of work. You know, this isn't the first uh, economic downturn that we're experiencing right now. Like they've happened before. And yep. great people can still find great jobs and uh, and it will get better again, right? But you know, right, right now, I think there's a lot of people that have been working for a couple of years or trying to enter the workforce going, oh my God, the world's going to end. And it's like, hey, we felt that before. And I think you, know, you, you hit on a great point of what it was like, 98, 99, 2000 by 2002. I was in San Francisco in uh, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. And I talk about the traffic out there because it literally dropped over the course yeah. of two years. And 
I think so. Anyway, I, I thought you just hit such a great point. So please carry on with some more of your, your background. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for those of us who have been around a while, there was the 2000 crash, there's 2008, you know, it right. does, things are cyclical, they do come back. It's not great. I don't want to put a rosy spin on it no, uh, here, but it's it's very tough. But it also has some opportunities to learn new skills. And as part right. of this, I learned, you know, some security skills. I became mm-hmm. the person who was configuring the firewall and figuring out what the security standards were for our Linux boxes and working with the developers and setting things up there. So it definitely helped me learn a lot in a very short period of time. And, you know, I found that security was something I was very interested in, very passionate about. When you think about that flow state of troubleshooting something, figuring out what's going wrong, security is a little bit that on steroids, right? Like you're doing that with an active adversary who is working against you. So things are changing. And so... There's a lot of excitement there. I probably shouldn't admit that like security incidents are the thing that I get excited about, but it is, <laughs> it is you know, a little bit exciting and and something to a good challenge. Yeah, because well, I mean, it stresses in those types of situations, having coming out it from a uh, an incident response management, I was a part of a SOAR platform. HubSpot was probably our third or fourth customer. So I, again, I always love the company, but I, I think about it, you know, when in an incident, it's teamwork, it's uh, communication skills, it's a dynamic nature, you know, it's the cat and mouse piece of it. And it and it's a stress level, but on, on intelligence, right? It's mm-hmm. like, can we outwit or are we being outwitted? So I think it's a great point of, uh, and it's great to see kind of you found your flow state. So that's great. So Let's jump into the next question. So you said you'd advise people starting out in this industry to really be text generalist. And so what, why do you think that? Because I think it's probably contrary to what people think, like I've got to learn, you know, to be an expert, you know, in, in some specific thing. So why do you think generalist is a better way to kind of approach this? Sure. And I guess I, I would agree with that general advice for like your first starting out, like the best thing you can do is figure out that thing where there isn't an SME, become the SME in that thing. Right. And when you're the expert, now you're you're suddenly sort of, you know, indispensable. People people know that you're a person who can learn things. But then from there, I, you know, there's that concept of the T-shaped engineer, someone who, who's very deep in one area, but then broad as well. And I, I yeah. think it's super important, especially in things like incident response, where you need someone who understands how all the pieces fit together. You know, it's great to be able to pick out the different SMEs and say, okay, I need you to go answer this specific question, but who's the one who's figuring out what are those questions that need to be asked? You know, I think that incident response and that troubleshooting is a little bit coming up with a theory of what's happening and then going off to try to prove it or disprove it. And we need those theories, right? And having to understand the full set of security controls that you have in your environment and how they interact and how they fit together is a very generalist thing. So Mm -hmm. I think it's super valuable. Yeah, no, I think that's great, great advice. And next question, I know you think that behavioral economics is important to cybersecurity, and I, I wasn't familiar with the term, so I'm looking forward to talking about this. Can you kind of explain the concept and why you think it's important in cybersecurity? Sure. So broadly, behavioral economics is the study of the way cognitive and social factors affect our decision making. This is one of the things I nerd out on, so I apologize in advance. No, please. I'm I'm interested. (laughs) One of the things that is my pet peeve in security and like the quickest way for me to turn tune you out if you're in an interview or we're talking is like, people who fall back on blaming the users like oh well if only they hadn't clicked on that phishing email or right. sent in their password or anything like that like sure like that is true if that hadn't happened the course of events would be different but 
it's our job to set up the conditions for users that set them up to succeed, right? And people aren't experts in everything. They can't be. I'm not an expert in marketing. I'm not an expert in in finance. Like there's there's lots of things that are not my job and that I depend on other people to do. And this is my job. And so understanding how people make decisions and how we can positively influence those decisions, I think is super important. And I think there's a lot of really interesting research out there on how we can tune our security awareness programs to influence people in the direction we want to go, how we can set up our applications uh, and the ways we want things to go. I mean, you you build a great application for security defenders. And if people were using it the right way, you wouldn't blame them, right? You would look right. at your UX and say, yeah. we've done something wrong here. How can we change it so that people will use it correctly? Yeah. And we have to do the same thing in security, I think. I passionately agree with you. And, I, and it kind of made me think of two things. One is, I remember getting my MBA and we were doing product design. And the question was, if a, a beautiful door is built, but everybody uses it incorrectly, are the people going up to the door the dumb people or was it dumb design, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that's an interesting debate because they, they, they've built this very elegant, really cool thing. But if the user can't figure it out, like who's to blame? Is it the user every, you know, because if hundreds of people can't open that door, like, Who's that factor, right? You know, who's the X yeah, factor there? Totally. I think that's totally important for us to keep in mind. I think it's important to understand how our users are going to interpret things. And then I think it's also important from the perspective of like defense and who's attacking you and understanding how they're making decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the second point to kind of pile onto that was, I think about it, I, I just did a podcast about the, I call it the grandparents scam, but it's basically people calling uh, grandparents and yeah. trying to you know convince them that a, that a grandkid is in a situation. But I think in a, in a broader context, it was my epiphany moment of entering cybersecurity 17 years ago. And I remember through happenstance, I, I became the VP of sales of a $40 million business, not knowing anything about cybersecurity. And we invited a SAN speaker to come in to kind of motivate the sales team and talk about you know, why cyber was important. And I remember him saying like, he said, if we sold cars the way we sell cybersecurity, the individual would have to buy the car and then go to a different place and buy some brakes and install them themselves, and then buy a seatbelt and go install themselves and go buy windshield wipers and install themselves. And oh, by the way, they're not experts in any of that, but yet we expect them to be. So I think it goes back to your point, which is we as we as companies that are designing products have to be able to do that. And, and we have to take responsibility, right? It's not enough to say, well, hey, our terms and conditions just say that you know, buyer beware or user beware. Like we have to design those things in. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, I think to your point, if we can figure out, you know, where are the top two or three places where we need people to actually be able to make good decisions where we can't fully cover things from a technical perspective and we can teach them about those two or three things. So it's not this cognitive overload, so they know what's important there, so that we give them the actual steps that they can take to help combat this thing. I think that's gonna set us up for success a lot better. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. So last question, and this has been a hot topic for quite a few of our interviews, and it's uh, talking about diversity or the lack of diversity within cybersecurity. So what do you think we need to do differently in our hiring practices to build a more diverse set of candidates and and more diverse set of uh, employees uh, within cybersecurity? You know, I've been thinking a lot about this question this week. And and the first conclusion I came to was sort of like, I I wish I knew, you know, know. it's one of those things where like I've 
worked in tech and in this field for for more than 20 years myself. And it's like, well, how did how did I survive? But I think it, I just am really stubborn and I felt like I had something to prove. And like, we don't want to make it so that just yeah. coming to work every day is an exercise in resilience. Right, <laughs> um, right, exactly. But like, when I think back of, about my career, the very first female boss I had was at HubSpot. It was a woman, Carrie Munts, who's now a, a CTO at Articulate. She is awesome and she's awesome in so many ways. Like, it was great just to see her there, but it was great. It's great that she's also a woman who defies a lot of expectations about how how women behave and I like I really love them because I think that a lot of the difficulty is this sort of dissonance between how we expect people to behave how we expect women specifically to behave yeah. and how you actually have to behave to be successful in right. in tech and in security yeah. you know that I read a book a while back by uh, these two women Amelia and Emily Nagoski and it had this interesting sort of cultural observation that was like, we expect women in our society to be givers. We expect them to be pretty and happy and calm and generous and attentive to the needs of others. And it's like, if you have to do all those things and really like keep up that cultural stereotype to be liked, but at the same time, like push back against people and say like, no, no, we need to have this debate because for security, we need to do this other thing. That's like, it's a hard balance to walk and it's really hard to do it successfully. I was thinking about this conversation that I had a while back with a man who is an architect that I worked with at Cisco. He was like an amazing architect. He was like super supportive of of me, of other women on the team, of lots of other engineers on the team. He was, you know, great technically, but also like a, a really great supporter. And he said to me at one point, I mean, when I think back of the women I've worked with, they've all been just like such great engineers and really awesome to work with. I thought about that and it's like, that's actually almost kind of the problem, right? Like right. when you think, yeah. like yeah, right. if you have to be perfect or like go above and beyond to survive, like that, yeah. that's a really hard thing to yeah. do. And I, there's this article I read probably like 10 years ago now by this woman, Amy Nguyen, who worked at Pinterest and a few other places as an engineer. And the article was called like, I need more terrible female software engineers or something like that. And it was like, how do we make it normal? Like, you know, I've I've worked over 20 years with so many men and many of them were awesome and right. many of them were just like showing up and doing their yeah, jobs. And that's fine, right? right. Like, <laughs> how do we make it normal that to like survive as a woman in tech, you don't have to be a rock star. You don't have to right. be like beautiful and fun and nice and right. taking care of people and an awesome software engineer. You can be like some of those things that yeah. appeal to you and you can still survive and make it. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, cultural norms uh, incrementally improved, but I think we've got a long way to go. Um, as a 54-year-old male, um, I'll just say I, I try to do my part, but I make lots of mistakes in this area. So I think we just have to continue to talk about it and uh, put it into our hiring practices. And and to your point, you know, there are lots of people that are just average at their job. They're good, solid B players, and that should be awesome, no matter what sex you are, or what you know, what background you are. You know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, right? It really yeah. is. So, well, awesome. I I will plug Cyversity. We're doing uh, more and more with Cyversity from a ThreadX perspective with uh, ThreadX Academy. We'll be announcing some things, but I think that's an organization that uh, Julian Watts from Rapid7 and others have been really building a lot of energy around that organization to build up a diverse set of people uh, to you know, get excited about this and help us all improve our hiring practices to bring in a more diverse uh, workforce because we know better decisions happen when we do that. There's no no questions about that. We just have to continue to do that. So uh, 
I think everybody should join cybersecurity. My three daughters, will, none of them yeah. will, but they've definitely heard me say that to every one of their friends, no matter who they are, you know? So it is a fun environment to work in. So, well, Alyssa, thank you so much for sharing your insights. My team said you were going to be a great guest. You absolutely were. So thank you so much for your time. And please tell the HubSpot team we said hello. As a reminder for our listeners looking to up their skills in cybersecurity, uh, you can get one year free of training of ThreadX Academy uh, by going to academy.threadx.com and using the promo code podcast. That's 140 hours of cybersecurity training across all things. So please come check us out. Thank you again, Alyssa. Please have a great day. It's a Friday. Have a great weekend. And thank you again so much for being a guest. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. 